the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one on round one toronto city councillor shelly carroll is here amanda galbraith principal at navigator also host of free for all fridays here on the iHeartRadio talk network robert turner from news talk 1010 good morning to y'all and robert a quick conversation because you and i were talking about it off the air but that was um an interesting conversation with Kevin Vong and the suggestion that his whole, the, all the trouble that led to him almost being turfed from the race and certainly being turfed by the Liberals, that that might have been some sort of a Chinese plot. Yeah, which would be something that there would be a plot put in motion two years before you even ran uh, to try and undo your political career. Uh, it seems odd. Uh, and he didn't, he wouldn't really say it. He just sort of kept saying maybe. Yeah. And we know they've done stuff like this before. Okay. So, yeah, very strange. Because I think this may be the commingling of different stories. And, you know, obviously, if CSIS met with him, then there was some degree of Chinese meddling. I'm not sure if that took the form of the... Do we know uh, that? Do uh, we know that there was some degree? Or do we know that they just met with him and that was the that was the topic? I don't know. Because the problem here is it's like diplomatic uh, immunity. Right. Or whatever. The CSIS is not going to talk. Although CSIS is the leakiest organization in policing. So I have to wonder if maybe somebody's going to speak <laughs> up. Uh, I don't know if the uh, the other two people on the panel wanted to weigh in on this. Amanda, were you listening to the uh, to the conversation? Yeah, I was. My eyebrows sort of shot up uh, <laughs> when I was listening to it, and uh, and uh, good for you, John, for pressing because you know he kept just tap dancing around yes or no, and like candidly, if all signs pointed to the fact that somebody had you know created some elaborate honey trap plan, which as Robert points out would have to start two years before I was even running, um, which sounds yeah, a lot. Very um, Manchurian candidate. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but I mean, fair it's enough. a commitment to a plan. Uh, you know, you have to, if it did happen, I mean, it was well done. I mean, look what they did with Hong Kong. Like, that was over 100 years. So, like, there's definitely a possibility that there's been a long plot, like a long con going on here we don't know about. Um, but I would just say, uh, yeah, I was, you know, I think if it was me and that was the case, I'd be screaming it from the rooftops, um, you know, security or whatever aside. Um, you know, that being said, I think as we've discussed a lot on air, I think the original sort of this whole thing originally, like still kind of didn't sit right with me. So there's definitely something odd there, but there's also something very odd about that interview. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's part of a longer conversation, I guess we could say, as we do say around here. And certainly I got an email from uh, Joe Warmington at the sun. He just said, what? <laughs> but um, Shelly, were you listening to the conversation? I, I was, and and I, I, I agree. It was kind of a, a, an odd conversation. Look, uh, in order to, to do the investigation they did and, 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 and the things coming to light that are coming to light, CSIS interviewed a lot of people. Being interviewed doesn't mean something happened. It means they're gathering information from anyone on the scene. But uh, whether or not it had to do with, with uh, um, you know, the political treatment of Kevin is, is, uh, um, is, is really hard to, to say. Um, we know that the reason he has had his problems are more to do with allegations about he himself and his treatment of women 
And so, you know, it, 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 I don't know that, that this is material is what I'm getting at. Okay, let's move on to a few of the other big stories of the day. Amanda Galbraith, I'll begin with you. More cuts coming to the TTC. Um, Lex Harvey in the star warns of a death spiral. I think it's a little early for that. But I do think our treatment of the TTC is kind of like playing kerplunk. Eventually, we're going to pull a stick out and all the marbles are going to drop. Kerplunk. <laughs> oh, that's a great metaphor. Um yeah, I listen, I also I kind of saw death spiral and I was like, well, that's a really great quote for the article. But I actually I don't think in any way that the TTC is in a death spiral. I think what we're having to do is we have an underfunded transit system, which we know. Um, and we also have a transit system candidly that was not being used. It's not being used as much as it was pre pandemic. And also a transit system people don't feel safe to ride on. Like I, for example, I usually I would ride it probably a lot more than I do, but I'm not super comfortable getting on it with my my six month old son in a stroller when I don't have a lot of mobility. Like it's hard for me to get out of the way of crazy people and they storm into the streetcar, which has happened and and like hit the stroller. So I think the TTC has a confidence issue. Um, I think some realignment of service based on the fact that nobody wants to go downtown and work anymore on Mondays or Fridays, which is what everybody reports, probably makes sense. Um, but I also think we need to get serious about what we are in our not going to fund as a city. And to me, the TTC should be a priority. Okay. And Shelly Carroll, you have more than a passing familiarity with the TTC. Um, I think death spiral is an exaggeration because I will probably continue to use the subway, even if I have to wait an extra minute for a train. I think where you get into trouble is where, you know, you cut buses from three an hour to two an hour, and then it doesn't make sense for somebody to even use it. Yeah, yeah. And and we're not there yet. This, these are some really artful reductions. But what is really concerning people is that that uh, usually subway service was sacred. And and you see buses go, which sort of narrows the ridership and, and starts the death spiral. Because the further you live out of town, the less sense it makes. And so people start making mode changes. They start finding ways to get cars. And so, uh, you know, that that is a worry. But what is really concerning here is now we're talking about, because it's so expensive to run, reductions on the subways themselves. And and it, it's it's transit science that that starts a death spiral. When you start cutting service, it, it sort of begets itself. And then you're cutting more and more to balance the books, as opposed to investing to build the books. And we've been through this before in Toronto. That's why people are so panicky about this. This is exactly what happened in 1995. We cut services and at the same time had two fare increases in a year when when the province removed its role in operating, day-to-day operating funding. And so people are worried that we're, we're going to find ourselves back there again because that took a good 10 years of investing to get the ridership back again. We need to do safety measures to get the ridership back again. And we need to keep consistent service to get the ridership back again. And in the absence of other government funding to help us with the COVID expenses that have put us so far behind, I do have to to say that the TTC has tried really hard to be fair and very strategic about the cuts they're making in this round to try and avoid the death spiral and and still trim the uh, the expense but it 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 is a harbinger of things to come unless we sort out the funding issue okay um, Shelly, i know amanda's the messaging expert here but you might want to stop saying death spiral <laughs> just cuz well, it's that's, not, not going to help Look it up in any transit planning book. That's what they call it when you start trimming service to to balance your books. That it, it's it's a real term. 
Well, all right, I think well, he means don't repeat a negative. Yeah, just don't. Because oh, yeah, it's not, you're not, if you're trying to calm people down, it's not that spiral. I would just avoid it. Um, <laughs> couple of things. All levels of government told everybody to stay home because and stay six feet away from everybody or we're all going to die. Uh, and that changed the way people behaved in a significant way that I think is going to be generational. I think we're going to look, you know, you talk about Depression-era people and the way they behaved and their behavior was permanently altered. Saving elastic bands, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think pandemic-era <laughs> people are going to face a similar thing. So some of this challenge is more than just service level and anything else. You'll have the safety issues on the TTC, which has anyone who has options evaluating those options. So you're left with people who are forced to take the TTC being the bulk of it, and they're being hurt by these service cuts. But unless the other levels of government step up and help it, I don't know how you're supposed to solve this. The TTC also, I think, has a messaging issue in that uh, the Toronto Star tweeted out the article we're discussing today about the death spiral, and TTC Media Relations responded saying the article is incomplete. Uh, saying the star was provided with additional information that wasn't included. What is scheduled are the minimum service levels and doesn't account for the additional service we will be what we will have available across all modes. Customers will actually experience more frequent service than what is seen in the schedules. For example, the weeknight line one subway wait times are scheduled to increase. Will in reality be closer to what we have today, as we will deploy extra unscheduled service. I don't think they know what schedules mean if they're going to offer more service regularly and that we're supposed to say that unscheduled service and wait for it. Like, I don't understand the messaging there. Like, they're trying to help, but I don't see that working. So Jerry's going to work on this on his show and trying to get some answers on it. But that seems a little, like, I get they're trying to put the best possible spin on a negative they can, but I think they need to be honest with people about what it actually means. Worth mentioning, the chair of the TTC Commission, John Burnside, is one of our panelists on round two today. A uh, tree grows in Brooklyn and a raccoon lies dead in Regent Park. Shelley Carroll, apparently <laughs> it's been two weeks that there has been a dead raccoon on the sidewalk. He was waiting for a bus the whole time. <laughs> um, I realize there are more urgent issues in our city, but two weeks for a dead raccoon to be removed is a little long. Well, I think a dead animal on the street is an urgent issue. It's a, you know, it's a health issue. Uh, but, you know, not unlike the TTC, this is this is what happens when there's a, a billion dollar hole for a city and, and uh, you start making choices. But there's two things going on here. Um, you know, uh, services are contracting a little because of, uh, of uh, our, our funding difficulties. But there's also the labor shortage. Uh, we, I've said this before, we have got to simplify our, our hiring practice and get people into these jobs that, 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 that lie vacant in every department. Um, you know, we say we're having trouble filling spots and, and getting our service levels to what we want them to be. And yet everyone still reports it's a complete ordeal to get a job inside the city. And this is a job picking up dead, dead animals off the road. I can't help thinking that, that we have a whole lot of newcomers that are currently living in shelters because they can't afford rent because they can't find a job. And here's a job. Uh, we've got to get better at, at getting people to work and getting things going. But uh, uh, sometimes it's it's budget that stands in the way. So what is being prioritized is, is you know, we, we had uh, uh, during COVID a, a raccoon with distemper march up onto our porch and stare at us through our glass door with, with aggressive behavior. For that, they're going to arrive right away. 
but it, uh, an animal on the road gets prioritized to the back of that list. So you should lie and, when you yeah. call and report the dead one and say he's still moving, and he looks <laughs> he looks like he could be armed. Yes. Get out here! He's snarling at me. You'll then they'll be there within within three hours. Although Amanda <laughs> Galbraith, there's a level of helplessness here. Most of us have a shovel shovel in a garbage bag. Uh, yeah, I was actually talking to Shelly before we came on, and I, I'm from a town where you clean up your own, like, dead animals out of your yard if it happens. So, like, when I first, I didn't know this was a thing. When I first moved to Toronto, um, I had a, I rented a, like, sem- like part of a semi, like, the basement apartment, and um, my mom was visiting, and there was a dead raccoon in the backyard. It was frozen. It was, like, heavy. My mom went out there, got a black garbage bag got the shovel we called her daniella boone for like the rest of the year and like got that thing out front i don't know how but she did it so Is your mom uh, looking yeah. for work? the city could use her <laughs> she's retired that would be some <laughs> job i have to say every single day from nine to five collecting dead animals i'm not sure how you advertise for that. Uh, you know if it was a squirrel i think you're dealing with a carcass that's small enough you may want to grab a shovel and do it yourself it's a raccoon that's a larger animal uh, i'm just amazed with like 90 people or whatever it is running for mayor right now no Nobody showed up to do it and get the photo up. <laughs> right? Like Josh Matlow running up with a look at the podium next to the dead raccoon. It would be great. <laughs> Thank you all. It's been a very wide-ranging roundtable today. My thanks to Robert Turner, Amanda Galbraith, and Shelley Carroll. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.